Real quick, before we get into the show, I wanted to share a new service called Getita that Ken and I have been using that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription, and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for firing the man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you? We generally like to be more higher price point than other competitors. That's kind of our strategy. We like to be the more expensive option. We just figure out ways to create more value, have a higher conversion rate at that price full rate. So I think figuring out a way to be a price leader in your market and your space where you can actually make the most profit margins. So that's kind of how we've been approaching things in 2022. We look for new opportunities. We look for opportunities to be one of the earliest entry people into the marketplace. That's what I would encourage your listeners to, to start to think about as well when they're selling on Amazon. Welcome everyone to the Firing the Man podcast, a show for anyone who wants to be their own boss. If you sit in a cubicle every day and know you are capable of more, then join us. This show will help you build a business and grow your passive income streams in just a few short hours per day. And now your hosts, serial entrepreneurs, David Shoma and Ken Wilson. Welcome, everyone, to the Firing the Man podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Ashley Kinkeed. Ashley is an Amazon.com expert, coach, and master trainer. She's inspired and equipped thousands of business owners around the world with the skills and strategies they need to build full-time online empires from the ground up. She's the host of Top 1% Ranked Private Label Mastery podcast. She's the author of the best-selling home business book on Amazon, Million Dollar Ecom Secrets. In 2015, Ashley desired to leave her dead-end career as a manager in corporate America. She started out selling used books on Amazon FBA with just a credit card and a goal. She then launched into private label products, eventually listing over 15,000 products on Amazon and making millions of dollars from her one-bedroom apartment. We're very excited to share Ashley's story with you today. Welcome to the show, Ashley. Thank you, Ken. Thank you, David. Really grateful to be here and so excited for your amazing audience to get to teach them a bit and also inspire them. So thank you so much, guys. It's an honor to be here. Yeah, absolutely. So Ashley, tell us a little bit about yourself, your story and your background. Sure. So I am one of these entrepreneurs by accident who kind of stumbled into Amazon FBA during the heyday of Amazon back around 2014 or 2015 when anyone could sell on Amazon. It was just kind of a gold mine, a gold rush. And I... Used to work for the man, so I'm really excited to be on the show. I was a substitute teacher, actually, so I worked at a, for a public school, and I discovered Amazon FBA as a method to kind of support myself supplementally, as a lot of people, I'm sure your listeners do, just wanting to make a few thousand dollars here and there, but really no entrepreneurial experience whatsoever. So I started selling on Amazon back in 2015. And uh, it's really been a life-changing journey for me just to get to see, you know, how Amazon has changed my life over the years. But my very first business I ever had was an Amazon.com seller. This was back again in 2015. And I started out as a bookseller, actually, reselling used books, going out to thrift stores and garage sales at a very small scale, 
Finding things just to flip for ROI, 99 cent items, a dollar item. And I realized, wow, I can take a product, a physical product that's at some price in one marketplace and turn it into gold in another marketplace. So I went way beyond the scale of a typical Amazon bookseller. I had a large team here in Dallas. I'm in Dallas, Texas. And I had a packers and shippers and sourcers and all of those kinds of things. And Built my book selling business up to about 500K the first year in revenue. Made some great money and I realized, wow, I could actually fire the man and do this full time. So came on and uh, turned that into my full time job. And then I eventually evolved into private label, which I know is what more of your listeners are into these days. And I built a couple successful private label brands on Amazon. And we also do consulting and education for private label sellers too. So I'm definitely a multiple income stream entrepreneur. And I have a lot that I've learned over the years. My Amazon business has been back to zero. I've had so many roadblocks and obstacles over the years. Like I know a lot of your listeners have as well. So I'm really just in for the ride. And I love to just like tell people about the opportunity of entrepreneurship and how much it's changed my life. I think so many people probably in your audience don't know that they can do something like this or they're wondering how they can make this full time. So I hope I can share a bit of what I've learned and nuggets over the years to get my Amazon business to millions of dollars in sales so far. So thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, that is that is an awesome story and I'm really excited to get into this interview. Now, the show is Firing the Man and that was a great Firing the Man story. So to some of our listeners that may be thinking about maybe leaving a full-time job. Take us back to that time when you were working a full-time job, you had this side hustle, you were thinking about transitioning. What advice would you give to yourself? Do it sooner. I think my advice would be to do it sooner. I think, gosh, it's just really powerful when you fire the man and decide just to go all in on yourself with like no backup plan. I really waited too long. My Amazon business was generating like well over six figures a month before I even left my day job. And so I really wish I'd done it a bit sooner. I think I would have picked up more momentum and learned more along the way. So that'd be the advice I think I would go back and just give myself is to have that confidence. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row. You don't have to have everything laid out to finally do that, take that step. But definitely it took me over two years of attempting to build my business before I was able to fully quit. So I think I wish I'd done it a bit sooner and also had a bit more advice along the way as well. There's so many people in the Amazon space who can help you with taxes and payroll and all those kinds of things. And I went in pretty blind in the beginning, but it's something to to know about. Yeah. I really like that that perspective of you don't always know what you're doing or what that next step is. And so so anyway... Moving on, we had talked, you had mentioned that you started in 2015 and you hear it a lot today, 2015, 2013, that was the wild west. Nowadays, it's too crowded. There's competition. You have the Chinese manufacturers competing against you. You hear this. And so my question to you is, is Amazon FBA still a good business model in 2022 and beyond? It absolutely is. It's just changed a lot. It's just changed a lot. I feel like in 2015, you could kind of be a hobby seller or you could really not put much time into it. And you definitely can today, but I think that the stakes are definitely raised in 2022. You have to put in a bit more work to even become an Amazon seller these days. I remember when, you know, in 2015, every category was open. Every brand was open on Amazon. You didn't have to have invoices. You didn't have to have these like real strict supplier relationships. And today it's a bit different, but absolutely. I mean, we see people every single day like coming onto Amazon and making incredible amounts of money and really building really thriving businesses. So it's still a great opportunity. I just think you have to be a bit more prepared for 
business today. You have to really think about, I'm going to get my ducks in a row. I'm going to have my identity verified. I'm going to have a good, valid relationship with a real supplier. But not to say that you have to have all of those things. I just think you just have to be a a bit of a higher level seller these days. And certainly the biggest thing I always tell people about is like differentiating your product. We very, in our stores, we very rarely sell like generic products. We really focus on like quality, innovation, diversification, and then ultimately just creating a long-term brand. You have to think more long-term these days, I think, and really think about not only just how am I going to be on Amazon, but where's my company going to be two to five years from now? How can I diversify diversify myself across multiple income streams? Yeah, absolutely. Brand building is definitely the way to go versus saying uh, uh, selling a Me Too products. And so definitely uh, diversifying and yeah, excellent answer. So, so as you're helping FBA sellers and business owners, as you're mentoring them, what are a couple of like maybe the top one or two things that you see a lot of different people struggle with? And then how do you, how do you help them overcome that? Great question. Definitely just getting started. I think pe- often I talk to people who think that you need a grand idea or some kind of seven figure idea before you can even like start. I can tell you my private label product had the most humble beginnings when I launched it. Literally went on Etsy.com. I found a supplier of a certain kind of product I wanted to sell. And I started really small, truly bootstrapping. I started with about $500 for my first private label product launch. And it took me a couple of years to build my brand to like a million dollar brand. But I think people just overthink the whole process and selling on Amazon. They don't even get started. I also see people thinking that they have to start really big. I think a misconception is that you have to have... I see people think you need 15000 or $20,000 to even launch a PL in 2022. It's just not the case. We actually test... We're kind of innovative. We actually test lots of SKUs at once on Amazon. So we don't just have one SKU. We usually will start with three to five SKUs, test, go really minimum, and then move forward with our best skews. So I think you don't necessarily just have to have one product. That's a misconception as well. Like one home run product. I have, I've had seven private label products at a time on Amazon and most of my colleagues have many as well. So those would be the common misconceptions, just like not starting when they need to, thinking they have to spend $20,000 to start. And also just thinking they can only have one product. They're probably going to have to have a couple products on Amazon to get to like a full-time one, one thing that you said was people have troubles getting started. And I definitely experienced this. And I think a lot of our listeners probably do too, where they don't know what to sell. Right. They, and you hear about Me Too products and how that is like, don't go into a Me Too product. And you hear a lot of people say, well, I don't, I don't have an invention. I don't have a patent. And so curious from a product selection standpoint, what has helped you there? And uh, what would you say to those people that are kind of stuck at that spot? Well, definitely like making decisions based on data. We have our own, we created our own kind of product research tool that we use at Private Label Mastery. It's not Helium 10, it's not Jungle Scout, although those are awesome tools that really help people and we recommend them all the time. We've really like dialed in how to like filter Amazon's data as well as possible. So I think product selection is super important. It's really important. So many people I speak to and meet every day just don't really understand like basics of like the bestsellers rank, making sure you're not going too deep on a product, making sure you're not going in too competitive of a marketplace. So I would say just spend some time like really looking at data, whether you use Jungle Scout or Helium 10. That's the biggest thing I would encourage people to do. Just educate yourself on the amazing amount of data that Amazon does provide to us as entrepreneurs and then just try to make as much data-based decisions as you can and then just jump in. Like jump in, test, see what works for you, and then be willing to learn and risk some money along the way too. 
as well. Yeah, excellent. No emotional decisions, all da- all data-based. That's, yeah, definitely something I get fired up on, like shiny object syndrome and all that. Yeah. And so for sure. Cool. So what are, what are the top three things that you think Amazon FBA sellers and, and what you teach that what are the top three things you should be focusing on in your Amazon FBA business? I would say just healthy growth, healthy growth, like thinking longevity, thinking about how can I actually like build a real long-term business? Most of the people I know in the space who are like really successful sellers, seven, eight, nine figures, they're thinking long-term. They've really just kind of built the business in a healthy way, being persistent, being consistent. So I would say having a long-term focus, thinking about where you actually not just want to take your Amazon business, but where you want to take your brand. Our brands aren't just on Amazon, just to be clear. They're on Home Depot, they're on Walmart, they're on eBay, they're on Amazon, they're on lots of different platforms. So thinking long-term, and what was your question again, Ted? I got lots of Yeah, yeah. The, no, what are the top three things that, that you feel to, as an Amazon FBA business to focus? Sure. Again, thinking about long-term thought, linking about long-term and also just thinking about assets. When I started my Amazon business, I didn't think about my business in terms of assets, my email list, my trademarks, things that I could actually create into a sellable business model. So think about how you can actually start thinking about, okay, this is something I want to exit from in a couple of years and do something else. And then as well, how to build your team. I think a lot of Amazon sellers are solopreneurs, which is great. I have a really big team of people and I can't do it without them. So start thinking about those couple key hires that you can bring in when your business starts making money. It's so key to growth. You can't do everything yourself as one person for very long. So just building out your team and creating it in a way that can create a real business that you can remove yourself from in some way at some point. And as you're building a team, like let's say, if I remember back several years ago, I was a solar pin. What is your recommendation on like, who's the first hire? Like, like, say you have 10 hats, you're juggling between it. And it's like, who should you hire first? Uh, I would say probably someone to help you with your books or your taxes, either a CPA or so many great accounting firms for Amazon sellers, probably just someone to help you get your numbers straight. And ultimately, you want to know your numbers well as an Amazon seller. So just someone to help you just do your taxes, make sure all your recording and reporting and your profit and loss statements are up to date. And then probably the next person would be some kind of packing assistant. If you're actually doing all your packing and shipping yourself, I mean, you can hire someone these days for 20, 25 bucks an hour or a prep and ship company, which we use. We use several prep companies here in the States. That's a really efficient way to do that. But you know, it, it doesn't have to be a big team. I know many million dollar Amazon sellers that have like one or two employees. So it's not necessarily something that has to be a big scaled up operation, but definitely just get your books in order. Get your taxes set up correctly. I wish I had done that a bit sooner as well. I grew a really large business and one day realized, oh my gosh, I don't know what I owe or what really is the health of my business. That was really scary for me when I first started my business. And I wish I had started sooner. Probably would have saved me a ton of headache. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I totally agree with you. I come from a technical background and so numbers are not my thing. And But yeah, luckily, uh, David's got the numbers under control. So yeah, numbers, but crucial. Yeah, if you don't know your numbers, you don't really have a business and you can't really grow it, right? So... If you want tips and strategies on how to start, grow, and monetize your business online, check out the Digital Revolution podcast with Eli Adams. We interview digital experts from around the world that share their personal stories. They talk about what they're currently working on and where they see the future going. But most importantly, they share tactics in their specific area of expertise with the hope of helping you improve your digital presence online. You can listen to the Digital Revolution podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, iHeartRadio, or simply click on the link in the show notes below.
you can't, what's the saying? If you can't measure it, you can't manage it, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I love that one. Sorry to interrupt the episode. You may have heard Ken and I talking recently about a new tool that we're using for Amazon refunds. Now, I have used other refund tools like this. However, I can tell you in the first seven days, they scrubbed the back end of my Amazon account going back 18 months and found $5,000 of refunds. And the nice thing about this is it's my money. Amazon made a mistake and they are just auditing my account. The other thing I really like about this tool is there is no monthly fee. They only charge a commission if they are successful in getting you your money. Go to getida.com, G-E-T-I-D-A, and enter promo code FTM for firing the man, FTM400. This is an awesome tool. Can't say enough good things about it. Now, back to the episode. So, Ashley, when you, so you identify the product and now it's time to launch. What would be your recommended product launch cadence? Is it one per month? Is it one per quarter? Tell us about that. So we have our own kind of method that we loosely call the three by two method at our company when we launch products. So essentially we'll launch three private label products at once. We assume that we're going to have two out of three winners. Sometimes we'll have one out of three winners. So we call it three by two, launch three, move forward as two. We rarely will just launch like one skew out the gate and expect it to just crush it. So our strategy is to kind of go a little bit wider with our new variations and see what works collect data over like seven to 30 days, see what's moving, see what has the consistent sales velocity. And then we move forward with the winner. So that's our strategy. It's pretty simple. And we have used it now across thousands of Amazon seller accounts that we work with kind of as a way to mitigate risk, help people have their eggs in more of one basket. There are so many different ways to sell on Amazon. We do see people launch just one product and do really well with it. But You know, for most of your folks out there, they're probably not wanting to go too deep on like an Amazon business right out the gate. So we like to advocate just a little bit, being a little bit more conservative when you can just to start off. So when you're doing that three to approach, are you so like you have your three products, right? Would it be, say, like a black water bottle, yellow water bottle and a blue water bottle or would it be a wine glass, a beer mug, and a water bottle? Are you identifying a category and then attacking it? Or how wide does that? We do both. We can. We definitely will sometimes do like three variations, like you just said, like red belt, black belt, and green belt, and see which variation sells the best, and then move forward with the best two out of three. But usually we're going across a different, a couple different categories. So there's not like one specific hole that we put ourselves into. But again, it can be either way. But generally, we're doing different, different products. And then moving forward with that winning product. And if it does well, we'll add variations, we'll add, we'll add multi-packs and things like that. Okay. And when, so when you have three products and you're voting one off the island, what yeah. metric are you looking at? We look at a couple of things. One is just daily sales velocity. We like products that move at least like five units a day consistently every single day over at least a seven day period or longer. We would rather have a product that just sells multiple units per day, as opposed to selling two units one day, 20 units the next day. We know that Amazon system really rewards that sales velocity and that consistency. So we're looking for consistency. We're also just looking for page rank, how our product ranks organically, and then how it ranks with PPC as well. PPC is really important to us. So we run huge PPC campaigns in our business and our clients' businesses as well. So PPC, sales velocity, conversion is huge. Conversion, if I could tell like one of your... One big thing just to tell your listeners is like, know your conversion rates of your products. That means like how many people 
are clicking your product on Amazon and actually buying it, Amazon strongly rewards high conversion rates. So we like to keep that like well over 20%. I've even heard of like 30 to 50% conversion rates on Amazon. So it's just something that if someone actually clicks your product and buys it, then you've got a winner. One uh, one last follow-up then, I'm going to turn it over to Ken. You were talking about a PPC. You guys run a lot of PPC. Yes. And I'm going to I'm gonna show you that I'm a nerd right now. There's one particular <laughs> metric that we have been watching very closely, and that's tacos. So your ad spend divided by sales. And it seems like there are, are situations where you can kind of spend yourself into break-even. And so any like rules of thumb, whether it's a tacos metric or something else that ensures profitability at the end of every month? Sure. I'm not really the ads person on our account. We have someone that manages our PPC and I'm not really super knowledgeable about that. But essentially, yes, it's true. You have to really know your profit margins. I do know this. Again, I don't manage our ads accounts, but we generally are okay with breaking even in the beginning or even losing money on an initial campaign. And then as we go, we try to just kind of steer it towards more profitability. But of course, you want to find that way to to be more profitable. And there's several really great like PPC management softwares out there that can help you. We don't have one internally, but that can help you like really see your profitability. But don't be afraid to like lose money in the beginning in a PPC campaign. You can capture that data and then take that data and put it into making your campaign more profitable. Excellent. Yeah. One thing, yeah, I definitely want to circle back on, and you mentioned conversion rate. Like I am a huge proponent of conversion rate. If you could just increase your conversion rate, just 1%, 2% over time, that really adds up into the bottom line, as well as ranking. If Amazon's got a hundred products, they can show to a customer and if one of them's got a 45% conversion rate, the rest of them are in their 10, 5, 15, they're going to show the one that has the higher chance of Amazon making profit, right? And so I'm a huge proponent of conversion rate. It kind of brings me into my next question. What are some of the top two or three strategies that you see other sellers like missing the mark on? You mentioned conversion rate. I think perfect example. Is there Are there a few more that you focus on that, that other sellers just seem to miss the mark on? Pricing. Like pricing is really important on Amazon as well. We generally like to be more higher price point than other competitors. That's kind of our strategy. We like to be the more expensive option. We just figure out ways to create more value, have a higher conversion rate at that price point. So I think figuring out a way to be a price leader in your market and your space where you can actually make the most profit margins. I met an Amazon seller the other day that had the most impressive profit margin I'd heard of. She was Her cost of goods was like $3. And the product she's selling on Amazon was $35. And her was, it was even though her competitors were all under like $20 to $25, just her images, her reviews, her feedback, her branding was just so on point. So just being able to set high prices as well as being in charge of your photos, your photo conversions is really important as well. We spend a lot of time and money looking at our images on Amazon and making sure that our images are really high quality. A lot of times, Tanwa, I look at sellers' images, they're really bad. <laughs> to be honest, of their product photos and product photos are extremely important, as well as enhanced brand content. We really encourage people to build that out, to look at just your overall listing and just make sure it's, again, converting well and split testing. Split testing is really big too. We split test everything. If you don't know what split testing is, you're going to struggle to be successful on Amazon. You need to know what works and what doesn't. So split testing is big for us too. Excellent tips. On the topic of price point, this is something that we are working on internally right now on our team. And 
there's Avenue A, where you can have a lower price point and be a higher volume seller. Or as you pointed out, you could be a high price point seller. And trying to like identify the right price is very challenging, right? With a higher price, generally your conversion rate falls. It's going to impact PPC. And so when you're trying to get price dialed in, what are you looking at or what are you referencing to kind of right size that price? Well, we generally like to be like at least like 10 to 20% higher than our competitors and just create that value. And again, it's something that we split test. We use several different softwares. There's a lot of softwares out there that you can use to split test your prices. We'll test them for 30 days, seven days, you know, seeing what actually converts the best. Again, it always comes back to conversions, conversion rate, like what converts the best at which price point. So again, our strategy is just to be a bit above like the top seller in the market. If we look at like the best ranked product for that keyword, we just want to be 10 to 20% above it and figuring out like how do we actually be able to convert at that price point. So I've also seen sellers doing really well kind of undercutting prices as well. Again, it's just about finding that strategy that works best. What what split testing software are you guys using? We were using CashCal Pro. I'm not okay. sure if we're actually still using CashCal Pro. I'm not sure what software you guys use for split testing, but CashCal Pro is historically what we've used. So we use Splitly for a while Split- and then it went away and... We have been, I guess to share with you, our strategy has been inching up 50 cents every week to an established price point and then monitoring BSR along the way. And to the extent that we see BSR fall off, that's probably where we would stop. And so, but kind of early on in this process and I, ever since Splitly went away, I've been curious what else is out there. Yeah, we've used CashCow Pro. It also does an Excel spreadsheet of basically just tracking it ourselves internally. But CashCow Pro, a seller, a lot of sellers have used Flitly as well. But, you know, it's just, I agree, just like monitoring it, watching the BSR, seeing what goes up, seeing what goes down. And if you see your conversions go down, that's probably a good indicator to like, they've kind of reached a point breaking point. Yeah, <clears throat> absolutely. Okay, so what are some of the, the e-commerce space and Amazon especially is constantly evolving, always changing, adding new programs, changing things up. What are some of the big changes you've seen in 2022 on Amazon? Absolutely. Just Again, more stringent requirements for categories. We're seeing like more subcategories be gated, more sellers, private label-wise needing invoices if you want to actually sell in a certain subcategory. So I've seen that as well, as well as just more sellers coming in the marketplace. It is definitely a lot of more sellers coming in 2022, which isn't a bad thing. But those are the two biggest things that we've seen, just obviously just increases in competition. There are a lot of direct sellers now selling directly on Amazon as well. And I, I personally just see that kind of as an exciting thing. There's still more opportunity if you're open open to creating your own product, if you're an innovator. And right now, particularly, I just like to give a little golden tip. We're really focused on just bringing like really new products to the marketplace. Like If we see just a completely new opportunity... We try to be one of the early adopters of that product as well. So for example, if there's a certain keyword, there's just no good sellers on Amazon. We'll just try to get in that space as soon as we can. So that's kind of how we've been approaching things in 2022. We look for new opportunities. We look for opportunities to be one of the earliest entry people into the marketplace. That's what I would encourage your listeners to, to start to think about as well when they're selling on Amazon. Excellent. So what is private label mastery and what type of clients do you serve? Sure. So we, Private Label Mastery was a little company I founded in 2017. And we started as just a 
entry level private label educational service for people that, you know, wanted to launch a private label product. Today we have thousands and thousands of stores that we manage and help people to manage, but we basically help people launch specifically private label products on Amazon FBA. So we have now to about 50,000 private label products on Amazon. Generally people doing smaller businesses, 10 or 20K a month in revenue, but we also have some really big accounts in the multi-millions that we manage as well. So we basically provide coaching, consulting, setup services, account maintenance, those kinds of things to people that are trying to get started on Amazon. So it's definitely an exciting time to be a private label seller. We don't really get much into wholesale or drop shipping, although I don't know much about those models, but mostly we're just focused on the branding, the brand building space of things on Amazon FBA specifically. Okay. Excellent. Well, cool. Anything else we want to cover, David or Ashley, before we get into the fire round? Nothing on my end. This has been an awesome interview. Yeah, let's get in the fire round. Cool. Ashley, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. What is your favorite book? I have a couple, but I would say one of my favorites that we have our whole team read is called The Slight Edge. And it's a mindset book because mindset is super important for entrepreneurs. So The Slight Edge, we do a book club actually at our company and every month we have a new book everyone to read. So right now we're reading The Slight Edge. It's one of my favorites. I also love just some of the good old fashioned leadership books like The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. I really encourage every entrepreneur to read. I think Peter Lencioni is his name. I'm not sure, but any of those just good old fashioned like leadership books and all. Excellent. What are your hobbies? Well, I just bought a house. So my newest hobby is like repairing stuff, fixing my pool, figuring out why my hot tub heater isn't working. That's kind of my lawn maintenance, that kind of stuff. So I also love to travel. Selling on Amazon has given me kind of this new lease on life where I'm able to just pick up and I don't have to tell someone I'm going anywhere. So I love to travel too. Yeah. Big traveler. Awesome. What is the one thing that you do not miss about working for the man? I definitely don't miss just not having location freedom. Gosh, I I put the money aside. I think there's no price tag you can put on just having location and time freedom. It's just priceless. And so I just really am thankful to be able to control my day at the end of the day and decide what I want my life to look like for me. So I really love love working for myself and being an entrepreneur. Excellent. All right. Last one. What do you think sets apart successful e-commerce entrepreneurs from those who give up, fail, or never get started? Gosh, there's so many things, but I would say like persistent. Most, almost, I've worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and typically people that are just like very driven and very persistent towards their goals, they tend to get what they want in life. And if you give up early, I don't, entrepreneurship is going to be tough for you. You got to be able to ride through the waves and ride through the seasons, good or bad, and take some risks along the way. So I think just that hobby and that persistence of that, that discipline as well is going to get you. Excellent. Yes, I definitely agree. David, over to you. Do you want to close out the show? Yeah, absolutely. So Ashley, if some of our listeners are interested in getting in touch with you and in private label mastery, what would be the best way? Well, we've got a little podcast too. It's called the Private Label Mastery Podcast. They can head over, subscribe. We've got tens of thousands of listeners on our show. Also, I've got a website with a free book, w.ashleykincaid.com forward slash welcome. So your listeners can download a free copy of my book. It's a really quick read about my, specifically my private label brands in detail, exactly what they are, photos, listings, everything. And uh, download my book. Uh, It's a great way to get in touch with me as well. And uh, again, it's www.ashleykincaid.com forward slash welcome. I'd love to get to meet some of your listeners and hopefully just inspire them on their journey to private label. It's a lot of fun. So, All right. Well, thank you so much. We will post links to all of that in the show notes. Ashley, want to thank you so much for being a guest on the Firing the Man podcast and looking forward to recording another one with you. 
Thanks, David. Thanks, Ken. This has been so much fun and I really appreciate your time. Thank you everyone for tuning in to today's Firing the Man podcast. If you like this episode, head on over to firingtheman.com and check out our resource library for exclusive Firing the Man discounts on popular e-commerce subscription services. That is firingtheman.com backslash resource. You can also find a comprehensive library of over 50 books that Ken and I have read in the last few years that have made a meaningful impact on our business. For that, head on over to www.firingtheman.com slash library. Lastly, check us out on social media at Firing the Man and on YouTube at Firing the Man for exclusive content. This is David Schomer and Ken Wilson. We're out. Before you go, we wanted to share a new service that Ken and I have been using called Getita that has made us over $10,000 in Amazon reimbursements. The service requires no monthly subscription and Getita collects a small percentage of the money they recover for you. It takes less than five minutes to set up and works on all Amazon marketplaces. Go to getita.com, G-E-T-I-D-A.com and enter promo code FTM400. That's FTM for Firing the Man 400 to get your first $400 in reimbursements commission free. How much money does Amazon owe you?